Spags Wild Card Weekend is in the books. It's time to pick up the pieces, or I guess we still have one more puzzle piece from Wild Card Weekend, but it feels mostly done. Yeah, most of the main stuff coming through on Super Wild Card Weekend we're going to talk about today. We'll talk about the Monday Night Football game, even build a showdown lineup because there's a lot of big prize pools tonight on DraftKings. We're going to even going to do a little three-round playoff best ball draft on Underdog. The gauntlet has returned, and it's Pika to give me a share of the best ball line we built on Friday. We'll find out right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how did you make out this weekend? Um, how did I make out? Um, our we had put a lot into our FFPC lineups, and the Dallas game was a little bit of a gut punch. We kind of made the read that the field was overplaying the 49ers as a trendy upset pick. Debo was like 70% owned in the contest, which is really, really high relative to their kind of odds of advancing. Uh, and we had a lot of CD Lamb. So that was kind of a gut punch. And yeah, mainly the Dallas stuff. I, I think I was heavy on Dallas. Like I had played a lot of Bills Dallas Super Bowl scenarios and a lot of my stuff. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I will say one thing that I did, which I I don't do normally because like you know, I enough people who play DFS regularly don't need to see lineups being tweeted out. But I just wanted to tweet out my Millie Maker lineup because ran pretty good in the Bucks Eagles game on Sunday, and then had Jimmy G and just wanted to basically bash Jimmy G as we all I love to do in the DFS space. And then like it's weird because and I don't know if you've ever done this, Pete, where you tweet a lineup out and then when it goes south, like you'll get people who don't follow you, who I guess just angry about their own DFS days, who then reply to you. And I had to like mute no, uh, mute the conversation on my own tweet. Because people are then like, well, I bet this didn't even min cash. Like, yeah, no shit. But it's just, it's 20 bucks. It's just, when you're tweeting a lineup, like, I think when people are, you know, super casual, like, low stakes players, they think that you're tweeting because you're like, I'm for sure going to win. And I for sure did not think I was going to win. I know how hard it is to win a Millie Maker. But then the people, like, pile on tweets or people who don't follow you was just a, a new thing that I personally hadn't experienced before. Yes, I have experienced that. And it's one of the reasons why if I'm either not promoting something or firing off a joke, I, I just don't tweet. Like I throughout the, I never posted uh best ball lineups. I never post DraftKings lineups because I know exactly <laughs> what is coming uh, when that happens. So yes, people suck on Twitter. That's why I like Discord, right? Because I would go in the Discord. Like this morning, I was sharing a couple lineups because I know it's uh, a group of, you know, intelligent, non-Neanderthal people who will actually actually enjoy interacting with it yeah i mean it's it's just one of those things where i just did it for a little bit of engagement just to get a jimmy g burning and then to get like <laughs> i opened it up on sunday night and it's like people still replying it's like okay now we know the whole slate happened like i also have eyes and was watching the games too but neither here nor there i would just say be nice to people out there especially today of course martin luther king day make sure you spend a little time actually digging into what the man was all about before you uh, quote some of this stuff and post it on social media is one thing i will say today and also in addition to that sage real life advice i'll give you some more go to football outsiders.com slash subscribe 
Um, I think you should go check out the patches on there. Playoff DVOA rolling out this week, showing what happened in these first few rounds. Um, it's the first time ever they've actually had that going. Also, lots of great things. Defense versus wide receivers, a stat that I look at a lot. That actually would have put you on some plays like Zay Jones mentioned on Friday's show. So go check it out, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Just $1 a week on there. And also make sure you are following at Splash Play Pod because we're actually moving the show schedule around this week. Pete's going to go traverse the, the hills of California for himself this weekend. So just the Thursday show, 9.30 a.m. we'll be doing this week. No Friday show. And you'll know that. You'll know all the things when we're going live if you follow at Splash Play Pod. And Pete, uh, you're a big California bike uh, boy going there now, presumably just because I no longer inhabit the state. Yeah, that's why I felt comfortable once I knew I wasn't, you know, prone to bumping into you. Uh, no, yeah, going to uh, hang out with my college buddies, watch the divisional round games, got a place up in Tahoe. Although my big tilt this morning is I do have a flight back Sunday evening, and it is going to overlap a little bit with Bill's Chiefs game. I knew it was going to overlap with the last game. I just was crossing my fingers. It wasn't the best game of the slate. So I am slightly tilting that, but it'll still be fun to see my buddies who I haven't seen in like two and a half years. Yeah. And I'm sure a sober time will be had by all right, Pete. Uh, yes. Uh, no, I am. That's why I'm drinking seltzers today. We have a, you know, a sober week ahead so we can, uh, be ready for uh, plenty of drinking this weekend. I thought you were doing a sober January or am I, am I misremembering sober that? February. February. That's right. So, the, the shorter month. No, my, my plan. So I was going from just, drinking whenever the hell I wanted to January. I'm only drinking on weekends and February. We're going to go full cold Turkey. Yeah. I, I also uh, drank a little yesterday too. been trying not to drink during the week. Cause I'm doing my diet. Did I'm down 10 pounds or 10 pounds and change of water weight already from just you doing the nutrition solutions meal plan, not plugging me. So feel free <laughs> to just take that as real advice. Um, but been enjoying it so far, feeling good about it, but no drinking for a month. I think we'll see how, how that, how your, how that goes for you. I guess it's just a detox from football. That actually might be a positive in your life. Yes, it is. It is nice. We all need to, uh, I mean, it's fun, right? Like the football season going on, we're just being lazy, watching games, drinking. Uh, it's a good time, but at some point I need to course correct and, and use the off season as a chance to get back on track. I've decided my new goal is to be in good enough shape during baby photos. Like when, when Luke is born <laughs> yeah. in uh, March 11th, that people be like, what the fuck happened to Spags? He got really good shape in three months. Left LA. It was a fat piece of shit as this baby. And now he's like a hot dad. That's the goal, Pete, that I'm really looking for. I mean, you, we, we do need to trick ourselves for these, you know, random like motivators, right? I, I know mm -hmm. a lot of people will do bets. I think those are really good. Last year in the off season, I had a bet with Davis, not health related. It was more uh, a reading and meditation bet that kept me on track with that. So bets, any of these, uh, you know, monumental events that we can use to trick ourselves into staying motivated, I think are, are good ideas. Or just having one person look at that photo and go like, boy, your triceps look great holding that new baby of yours. That's really what I'm hoping for. But let's dig <sighs> into it. It's time to get into the super wild card weekend recap. So make sure you hit the like button, whether you're on Peach channel or the Splash Play channel. Helps us out a bunch. Helps us fight off the YouTube algorithms that can make it tough sometimes for content creators in this economy. So please do that right now. The Bengals started off in an order here of all the games. Bengals beat the Raiders 26-19. <sighs> Jamar Chase ends up with nine catches for 116 yards on 12 targets. Also gets three catches. Carries for 23 yards. Interesting new fast to his game that we didn't see much of this year. Joe Burrow, kind of a mediocre game, but good enough for some of the uh, cashing lineups out there. Throws for 244 yards and two touchdowns. And Joe Mixon, a chalk bust. I went on Osmos on the contrary on Friday, talked about how it's relative to ownership. It seemed like getting away from Joe Mixon might be the move. Of course, did not have the courage to do that. My own lineups, Pete, but does have a disappointing day. Lots of touches for him, though. 17 carries, four catches on five targets. 
Any thoughts for you in this Bengals game? I just feel like them really keying in on Jamar Chase and the spot where you, you could beat this Raiders team up. We've talked about that all year long. They did get to the playoffs. Rich Basachi has certainly got the most he could there. But I feel like the fact they really keyed in on Jamar Chase, T. Higgins a non-factor. Tyler Boyd gets a touchdown, but it was Jamar Chase's show, and I think that's what you want to see for the this Bengals team in the playoffs because Jamar clearly has a ceiling of, what, a 300-yard day if they really keyed in on him in the right matchup. Yeah, you mentioned the carries. I thought that was a super interesting wrinkle that we didn't see during the season. Almost kind of, not quite the Debo Samuel level, like, all right, let's just turn him into a true running back. But, I mean, adding that element and just that that concept, and it sounds like such a novel concept, and the Cowboys could pay attention to this. You do want to give your best players the ball. Um, so, you know, manufacturing touches for Jamar Chase seems very sharp to me. And, yeah, T. Higgins, a little disappointing day for him, but we've seen how this offense operates, and I would be surprised if the Titans come out and try to shut down Jamar Chase and all of a sudden T Higgins pops up for another monster game. So I'm excited about this matchup. I think there are concerns where it could play a little slow. You know, I, I could see scenarios where the Bengals get a lead and the Titans are still willing to just kind of establish it um, even behind. That's kind of my game flow scenario I'm worried about as far as lack of fantasy potential. But if I think if the Titans get up, or sorry, if the Bengals get up, wait, which one would be better? Because both of these teams want to run the ball. I'm worried. I think we want Titans up in in Bengals chucking is is probably the ideal matchup. But um, I don't know. I think that that game. I'm worried it might disappoint, but who knows. You think the only way Derrick Henry is useful if it's Titans up. So I feel like for a lot of people out there, I'm sure they prefer to see the Titans up and then again, the Bengals to throw from behind. But I'm with you on that take though. I do think T Higgins being to me, like what this game established that Jamar chase is the number one option. It's not kind of an agnostic one, a one B thing, even though T Higgins did run kind of hot down the stretch, but I'm with you. I do think that now if you're the Titans, you got to go in game planning to take away Jamar chase. And that should open things up a little more for Higgins. You know, I think a, a burrow, Higgins Boyd stack is kind of appealing. We saw CJ Uzoma, a guy that I also did tout, had some good touting on Osmos on the contrary, brought none of it to splash play, uh, but did tout <laughs> CJ Uzoma on there as well. And I think that's the, the approach for the Bengals, whatever people are going to start to gravitate towards, more towards uh, the Jamar Chase or whatever, really any receiver. If it was Higgins before you go Chase, now it's going to be Chase and Uzoma. I think this could be uh, a Higgins Boyd week. And the Raiders, Pete, on their side, felt like Josh Jacobs, perfectly solid, Renfro Waller, uh, decent days, nothing outlier there. Did seem like Zay Jones pulled away some production from the pass catchers there to keep them limited in terms of their ceiling. But this Raiders team overall, I feel like uh, in terms of a moratorium, which we're going to give for each eliminated playoff team as we go through them here on Splash Play, what can the Raiders do to you to get more interesting? Because I feel like they overachieved here down the stretch. There were some rumors Derek Carr might get moved somewhere. The Saints, I think, are being pegged to him a little bit in some of the media reports out there. But what can the Raiders do for you to get more interesting? Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I mean, they, they ran bad in that Waller wasn't, you know, healthy for a lot of the year. Um, to me, they're, the way they're currently built, they probably just need to be like uh, the 49ers, right? And get a better defense. And, you know, you have Derek Carr as kind of the Jimmy G analog where he's just good enough that you could win a couple playoff games with him. Um, but you need really everything else firing on all cylinders, the running game, the defense. So, yeah, I don't know, maybe getting that alpha wide receiver. I mean, if they could add another guy in there and then all of a sudden you have Waller, Renfro, and, you know, some new guy, maybe the offense could could kind of compete there. But yeah, they just seem a little bit away from ever truly competing. And they're in a tough division too, because, you know, the Broncos are one defense or a quarterback away. The Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs and the Chargers feel like they could be a Super Bowl contender next year. So it's a tough division for the Raiders.
Yeah, I'm with you on that. I know the, during that game, they talked a lot about Max Crosby, the defensive end, and what the Bengals were trying to do to keep him at bay. Um, Neil saying the Raiders way overachieved. I think they did kind of properly achieve. Like, if anything, they overachieved relative to having their coach get fired, relative to having their uh, star speedster wide receiver get, uh, you know, kill a guy in a car accident and they were kill a person in a car accident and then uh, be kicked off the team. Like, they overachieved relative to that. Relative to the talent level, like, I think that they're – it wouldn't be surprising to see the bottom fall out here. I think embracing Marcus Mariota might be a move for them where you get some assets for Carr and then see what Mariota can do because he was pretty good in some of the limited snaps that we saw from him as a, a gadget QB this year. But I think that to me is maybe that's one way to get interesting. But I'm with you. It's got to start from the defense. They need a like a Broncos-style defense with that offense maybe could get things done and give them a chance in the West. Uh, the Saturday night game, the Bills stopped the Patriots 47-17. People were concerned about the cold, and the Vegas total did, uh, I think, move up a little bit towards closing but didn't move up a lot. Dawson Knox, who had the big day, five catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns on five targets. Nobody else in the Bills' top four targets, but Devin Singletary stands out, 18 for 81 and two TDs, plus three catches for 13 yards on four targets. On the Patriots' side, you got Mac Jones throwing 38 times, so Bill Belichick did let him throw, but only 232 yards and two touchdowns, also two picks for Mac Jones. Kendrick Bourne, the only wide receiver of note, really the only fantasy player of note for the Patriots, seven catches, 77 yards and two touchdowns. What do you think of this one, Pete, this game with the Bills where – See, we stacked up on Friday, and this is where I am going to tie it back because I feel like that best ball team we drafted on Friday, this was all the players we got besides Singletary going off, and that team's got to be pretty live now, right? Tell me, because I don't, I think I forgot to name this one. Remind me a couple of the players we drafted, and I'll tab through it here real quick. We had Allen's, uh, Allen, Allen's, Josh Allen's, we had uh, Stefan Diggs. We also did have Dawson Knox. I made you draft him. Um, we had Eli Mitchell in that one, Aaron Jones at running okay. back. Yes. Yep. It, let me pull it up. I believe it's this one. Okay. Is it, I want to put my claim in. I didn't pay you up front for this one. No, no, no. You, if given this, this was the, the one Mags brain draft, I feel like it, I have a rightful claim to this, it, this one being good. It, is this the one we did? It was, did it have Kirk and Beasley? Uh, yes. Kirk and Beasley. Okay. And again, you made us take Edmonds and Kirk. All right. Let me, uh, let me, uh, name this. Uh, so I have it down. Because we had all the we had Debo too, like we had all the guys. I feel like that went off on, over the weekend, at least you know, not including tonight's game. Yes, no, this is a very good team here. As I let me get it named. Um, yeah, uh, why won't fucking name it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Underdog, our sponsor, of course. <laughs> We're doing a lot more this year, uh, but it is fun when you have to when you remember after the fact that you should put in a claim for your best ball drafts. You do it with friends. Yes. No, I, uh, I have all of my named here, uh, with my various ones. Uh, I spelled it wrong cause I was trying to just get it saved, but the splash plow, it's actually the German pronunciation <laughs> of the show. Uh, but yes, anyways, this is a very good team. Uh, I love this team a lot. Um, and we constructed it with, and let me zoom in here with the idea that we're live for any bills Super Bowl as long as it's with green Bay as long as it's with San Francisco or Arizona, preferably Arizona or San Francisco. But mm -hmm. the nice thing, we do need uh, one of those three teams just because all of our running backs are coming from the NFC. Yeah, that was the one thing I was thinking about. I did mention that this team was sort of a hedge on me uh, betting the Patriots to win, which was fine. I had I covered up a, a, a couple of prop bets yesterday with Mahomes and uh, the Ben Roethlisberger passing attempts over. But I feel like this lineup, Pete, was I was thinking about when they were going off on Saturday was like, this team has to have advanced out of this round, I think, you know, barring something really weird happening with the other five teams. 
Yeah, I can't. I think it'd probably be pretty hard for someone to come back. I mean, even with a Mahomes Singletary Chase team, I mean, this team can't catch us because they have Green Bay. I guess they could have it. They'd need like a 30 point <laughs> James mm -hmm. Conner game. So yeah, th this team is going to, to advance most likely. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be a very fun team. I mean, if I could re you look at all of my, you know, advancing teams and they're almost all bills onslaughts because that was a, that was a tough one to be, uh, to be, as Brian mentions here, Singletary, the workhorse as well. You're the one guy we didn't get, unfortunately, in that bill stack, but feeling pretty good about that. The Patriots, what can they do for themselves, Pete, to be more interesting other than, I guess, just having Mac Jones hopefully improve and them get a little more trust in him to do the things you kind of need to do as a fantasy QB? I mean, I think it's real simple for the Pats. I mean, they need they need a legit wide receiver. Um, you can't you can't, I don't think you can win the Super Bowl with Jacoby Myers as your, as your best receiver. Um, I know Kendrick Bourne looks solid, but those guys are like perennial wide receiver two, wide receiver threes. If they could get, uh, if they had an AJ Brown type, a DK Metcalf type, I mean, all of a sudden you get Mac Jones taking the second year leap. They're well coached. They have a good offensive line, good running game, defense, always solid. I mean, if they can just add one more offensive playmaker, I think they will be a really, really tough team to beat. What about an Allen Robinson off the scrap heap? Does that do it for you? Um, man, I, I don't, what are, I'm not in the weeds enough to like know what actually happened to Allen Robinson this year. It like, have we untangled how much of it is him just no longer good? And how much was that situation just being horrendous? I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of him not wanting to be there. I mean, they franchise tagged him to keep him there. Clearly, you know, he there wasn't a bigger payday out there for him. I think his pay, you know, whatever he was going to get last year has got to come down after what he did where Darnell Mooney was clearly the wide receiver one for the Bears. But I think that's a situational one where um, I think Allen Robinson is still like 28, right? Or he's, he's yeah. done enough where he, he, he was left. the he was the 2014 class that Mike Evans, uh, Odell Beckham, yeah. Sammy Watkins year. He's 29 in August. So yeah, he, I was like, yeah. wow, actually got his age right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree with you. Like an alpha wide receiver being good. Uh, Rummy in the chat saying Jamison Williams are on the 20th pick. I haven't done enough draft research to know if he's the the alpha type you'd want to see. But I agree. Like they need that late career, you know, Randy Moss off the scrap heaps. I've not <laughs> always compared the Patriots to previous ones. And, and the Randy Moss, uh, you're not going to find that very often. But if they could get an alpha guy, like I agree. Kendrick Bourne is a wide receiver too. Jacoby Myers out of the slot. Uh, Hunter Henry and, and Johnny, they still have there. Like they have something, but they do need like that elite number one guy. Yeah, uh, they'll be, I mean, the fact that they were able to, you know, there's always the phrase, I, I think of this when you play like dynasty sports too, and it's like, are you uh, rebuilding or are you, you know, retooling? And it, it does seem like the way the Pats were able to basically retool, make the playoffs in, a, you know, what should have been a full-on rebuilding year is, is honestly really impressive. Um, we got the Bucks beating the Eagles on Sunday's first game, 31-15, a game that really wasn't as close as the score might indicate. Mike Evans, nine catches for 117 yards and a TD on 10 targets leads the way. You also saw 17 rushes and two catches on two targets for Keyshawn Vaughn. Emerging out of nowhere, Giovanni Bernard, 13 carries, five catches on seven targets for him. And then mostly everybody stung for Philly besides Dallas Goddard. He had six catches for 92 yards on 12 targets. Kenneth Gainwell comes on uh, in garbage time, really, five catches for 49 yards and a TD. 
TD. The spot, though, Pete, for the Bucks, I feel like you got to feel good about Mike Evans as an alpha wide receiver beating a bank, uh, an Eagles defense that sometimes was fairly competent this year. But the backfield with Geo, uh, I know that after the game, Bruce Arian said Fournette's going to try out the hamstring again. I guess Ronald Jones couldn't cut on his ankle, so we'll see how those uh, injuries recover for the second round. But this spot, Geo Bernard coming off the bench looking good. Keyshawn Vaughn, I thought, was also solid. Like The Bucks to me, just seem like a team going to be hard to put away no matter how many guys they lose as they have uh, down the stretch of the year. Yeah, and it was pretty surprising that Fournette wasn't ready to go. I'm pretty sure most people anticipated they were going to activate him on Saturday. So that was a bit of a bombshell. I was sweating kind of the Geo Keyshawn stuff. We we did a decent amount of Keyshawn in the uh, FFPC playoff challenge, and he was sub 1% owned. Um, and then I also was playing him in DFS yesterday. So the Geo stuff was a little tilting, um, but they pretty much just all alternated series and we're just kind of splitting work uh down the line there so i'm actually curious um how that will shake out uh if fournette comes back the the quotes about fournette were kind of weird just it seemed like they if he was even close to playing that they would have had him for you know an important playoff game but then the quote after was arians being like oh yeah it's just a hammy he's really close we just didn't want to risk it which I don't know. Normally when push comes to shove for the playoffs, like if these guys are close, they play. So I don't know. I, I never really trust Arian. So that'll be interesting. But, uh, I think this is setting up for a really fun game, whether they're hosting the Cardinals or the Rams, I think it'll be pretty up tempo. And if they do get four net back, um, I think that could be a pretty high scoring game. Yeah, and as you just mentioned there, it is whoever wins tonight's game that will go on to face Tampa Bay at Tampa Bay. Um, and in fact, the other matchup is locked up with the Niners and Green Bay. If you weren't aware of that one, if you're doing some of the gaunt returns drafts like we'll be doing later in the show. Um, the Eagles, though, I feel like in this spot, probably going to be some questions about Jalen Hurts. He wasn't really allowed to throw very much and was also not very accurate when he did throw in this game. And that's been the case for him all year long. So, uh, Pete, what's the move here for the Eagles? What can they do to make themselves more interesting for you at Fantasy? And, and does it involve getting rid of Jalen Hurts? It probably involves getting rid of Jalen Rager. I mean, did, did anyone have a more rough game for the Eagles than Jalen Rager? I mean, the he muffs the punt and then they put him back there to keep returning pumps and punts and he almost muffs one again. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. The Eagles are they're a weird team. I don't know if there's like a specific uh direct fix. You know, they add weapons, you know, Goddard and Devonta Smith. That should be a pretty good one, too. Miles Sanders, I think, is a average, if not slightly above average, NFL running back. Um, I don't know. Your your boots on the ground. What what do the Eagles need to do there in Philadelphia? I think to me, and this is, you know, obviously me, me uh, canvassing the neighborhood, asking people what should be the move <laughs> that they make here. I think it's just a matter of like kind of what we saw with the Ravens this year. And that fell off down the stretch because Lamar got hurt and just couldn't get back on the field. But this year they let him throw and they were just like, hey, you know what? You're still not the most accurate guy in the world, but just, just throw it like we're going to commit to it. Stop, you know, forcing yourself to run in spots where normally a QB might throw it. I think that's kind of what it is for, for Jalen Hurts as well. It's just he needs to just be trusted to get the ball downfield, to take these shots and to get the ball in the guy's hands and. He has not been accurate in the short realm, especially. But I, I think for me, that's the thing where you can lose that confidence if your coach is basically like, yeah, we're going to run 60% of the time, even though, you know, you're a quarterback that has shown an upside and has a, one of your best friends who was also your pal in college. And you should have kind of a relationship with him and Devonta Smith. Like, I think that's what stands out to me is either lean in on Jalen Hurts, let him do the stuff that you, like a guy with his talent should be able to do, or just get rid of him and do a pocket QB, go with Gardner Minshew, go with somebody. Um, I know Russell Wilson, there are some rumors going around there that would clearly be a gigantic upgrade that I think would get the most out of a uh, Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith. But I think that's with Jalen Hurts. If you got to keep him, like let him be him or just get rid of him. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with you that they, I think with, you know, maybe better coaching, you know, playing to the strengths where it does feel like they're kind of still trying to pigeonhole, you know, Jalen Hurts into what they want their offense to be instead of designing their offense around Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. And you have to imagine with, you know, better offensive coaching or a better coordinator that they could play to Hurts' strengths because he certainly has the skill set to be, you know, a really dangerous quarterback. Like I've, I feel like if Kyle Shanahan had Jalen Hurts, which he should theoretically have Jalen Hurts on his bench that he drafted him <laughs> in this draft. Um, but you do think there's more of a ceiling there for Hurts. Yeah, and you had the chat up on the screen, but Eric in the chat saying that could have been Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I think they could certainly use a Justin Jefferson type, though with how this team was coached this year, could have also just been them not throwing to him like they did to Devonta Smith. Uh, people pointing out, too, they should have thrown to Devonta Smith more. I think he had 10 targets yesterday, so that's actually uh, mentioned on yesterday or on Friday's show, rather. I don't think he had 10 targets all season long. He did get 10 over this uh, over this weekend, so I guess you can't really argue that one, even though they were not the highest quality targets around. Um, other games that we got to go through, the Niners, of course, oh, God, beating the Cowboys 23-17 in Dallas after a QB draw attempt at the end of the game kills the clock for the Cowboys. Zeke ran for 31 yards on 12 carries. Dak threw for 254 yards and one touchdown and one interception. He also took five sacks, finished with a not-so-nice 69 QB rating. On the other side, Jimmy G, mediocre 170-yard day with no touchdowns and one interception. But Eli Mitchell, our boy, carries the load with 27 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. And Debo Samuel ran hard again. Again, 10 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown, plus three catches for 38 yards. And Pete, I think this game shows everything that we hate about the Cowboys. I have mentioned on this show before. I guess I am still technically a Cowboys fan, but growing up, you know, rooting for this team after the Super Bowl wins when I was really little, like this is what it is every year. So you have some colossal fuck up that everybody can make fun of and it's embarrassing and it's just Dak on a draw, theoretically a good play, but not enough time is enough. Uh, the QB analysts out there and, and former players have pointed out and just an ugly loss for the Cowboys, Pete, that I think we all thought you and I, especially were like Niners going to be our Super Bowl dark horse, but the Cowboys in the spot could have won and they just fucking cowboyed it up as they always do. And what is crazy is this game shouldn't have even have been close. Like the, the Niners should have just absolutely ran away with this. The Cowboys, it, it's hard to think of a failure at almost like every step of the way. You know, you can go through all the position groups, the coaching, the way the fucking stadium was constructed to where you're blinding your own players when they're trying to catch the ball. Like literally everything you could think of, clock management, personnel usage, like they're, they're drawing up screen passes for Zeke Elliott when you have Tony Pollard. Like, look, if you want to run Zeke Elliott between the tackles because you prefer that, knock yourself out. But what's the one thing we know? That Tony Pollard is better in space. Use him for that stuff. You're not getting CeeDee Lamb, your best playmaker, you know, touches. He had one catch. Um, then you have the clock mismanagement issues. Mike McCarthy trying to defend, you know, that draw play with no timeouts up the middle. Like, just an absolute disaster across the board. And, I, I mean, they should have been dead. There was no chance that they should have even had a chance to win that at the end. And I think, too, a lot of Cowboys fans out there, really just people who watch football, I think have pointed this out. I've seen it pointed out a lot on Twitter. Trayvon Diggs, there was one play where, I think it was Debo, when he, like, broke him on a, a double move play. And that's, Trayvon Diggs has been biting on those all year long. Like, he's been great for that Cowboys defense. But he is just the guy going for the pick every single time. And it's like, 
The Cowboys, to me, just a poorly coached team that never, like, the talent's there. Diggs has been good at times. Uh, you know, Dak's been good at times. Receivers have been good at times. But I think, to me, this, this Cowboys team is so disappointing. And we could talk about the what we want for them in the offseason. As Neil points out in the chat, Zeke had one good knee. It didn't feed Pollard all year. Uh, Mike McCarthy apparently not going to get fired. Stephen Jones uh, gave the cosign on him again. But I feel like for the Niners side, I don't want to take credit away from them. They are good. They are a Super Bowl-ready team. The fact that Jimmy G gave them basically nothing in that game, and they still look so good, using Debo in a really a lot of ways that fit how versatile he is. Kittle kept in the block all game, so they didn't even take him out of the garage. Like, I love these Niners, Pete, and it, it hurts me that they beat the Cowboys like that, embarrass them again. But uh, I'm really happy with the Niners shares we got because I think they are really live to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm torn because I, I do like the Niners too. Like Eli Mitchell, Debo, Kittle, they're all super fun. I'm just always thinking of it through the lens of like, how can we get like a, a playoff game where the score is 45 to 40? Like that Chiefs-Bills game next week can be that. You know, with the 49ers going to Lambeau, um, that's a that's a game that I think is going to really slow down. The Packers were, you know, one of the slowest teams in the league this year. Um, we know the 49ers are not going to want to put, you know, Jimmy in lots of spots on the road there at Lambeau where he can, you know, have turnovers. So that's the only reason I'm a little bummed out about it just from like a shootout potential and just knowing the Cowboys, you know, if they win, and then they're, you know, playing the uh, the box like that. That's a super hot game uh, mm -hmm. there. So I'm just bummed to lose a, a high-flying offense. But maybe they aren't a high-flying offense based on what we saw in Wild Card Weekend. So, yeah, I'm a little bummed about that. But the Niners, uh, they're a tough team. And, and they'll go as far as Jimmy G will take them. Yeah, and that's the downside is how far is he going to take him? It seemed kind of like a nice game script for Jimmy to actually build some confidence here. Um, you know, take advantage of stuff like Diggs biting on double moves really pretty much every time he's been attacked with them all year. And they just didn't do it. Jimmy couldn't execute enough, but he didn't have to. So I guess that's the main thing. Brian saying, uh, take the under in Green Bay versus San Francisco. Uh, I'm curious to see how some of those lines look because um, actually there must be a line out on that one. Yeah. Do you know what the over-under is? Yeah, I'm just pulling it up. I was looking earlier. So it's uh, the over under of 47 and a half. Uh, Packers are five and a half point home favorites. And then just to put it in juxtaposition, Bills Chiefs has a 54 and a half point over under. So an eight point difference uh, in that game. So 47 and a half. I mean, if that was on a nine game DFS slate, it would be like a middling average total, mm -hmm. not something that we're just kind of licking our chops over. Yeah, I'm curious to see if that one comes up throughout the week because I think you could court, sort of make the case for me either way that this could be a little more defensively minded. But Green Bay has been, I think, unimpressive defensively from some of the stats that I've seen over the course of the year. And I think, you know, if, if Jimmy G brings it, like he can definitely get there. Just the issue is do you trust him to get there enough and not get rattled and not completely ruin that game? And I think uh, that's a pretty big one. Uh, the Cowboys moratorium, how do they get more interesting for fantasy? I feel like they actually just need less guys there to need to get rid of Zeke, I think is also probably a big one you could point to getting rid of McCarthy might be another. I don't know how likely either of those are though. Uh, maybe the Zeke thing could happen, Pete. I feel like Tony Pollard getting a full workload or even getting, you know, like a full 50, 50 split and, and really being the lead dog in like a one, a one B committee. I think could be interesting. I just don't know how that could possibly happen and how they could change anything at this point. Yeah. And I, I saw someone posted the Zeke uh, salary cap situation. And I believe if they cut him this offseason, it'd be a 30 million dollar dead cap hit. Whereas after next year, I think it goes down to 10 million. So pretty viable after 2022, but I don't see any way they're getting out from under the Zeke contract this year. They might just have to like, I just don't know. Do they have the restraint to be like, Zeke is still a capable NFL running back, but he doesn't have to be our lead back. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. he could be the complimentary guy and, and Pollard's the one getting, you know, 15 to 20 touches a game, but who knows the, the Cowboys have been incredibly stubborn with this.
use Zeke at the goal line, maybe. I, there, there's some ways that they can make more sense of this if they do, but we'll see. They might lose Kellen Moore. That would leave a, more power in Mike McCarthy's hands, which doesn't seem like a great thing. And uh, would you do anything with the wide receiving core? I guess is the one question. You have Gallup now hurt, so maybe they just do run it back and, and get Amari and keep him in tow. But I feel like just having one less guy there and just really concentrating the target share would be useful. Like, CD was useless yesterday, and I, I don't really know why. Yeah, I, I don't really know why either. It's again one of those things I'll have to let the uh the film grinders let me know. Is is CD Lamb not as good as I want him to be and as good as his prospect profile made him out to be, or is this team just not doing a good job scheming their best players' looks? Maybe it's a, a little bit of both. Um, it does seem like uh Gallup could be gone. He's an unrestricted free agent this off season. So um, they might lose him and they might feel okay. Letting him walk just because Cedric Wilson has looked pretty mm-hmm. good. I would say in, in, um, in relief of him, you probably have what, maybe one to two more good years from Amari. I think his game can age gracefully um, just the way he plays. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like they're a team that is so close. It's just like, I would want better coaching and continuing to beef up the defense a little bit is probably like the main things there. Maybe some of the aggressiveness of like a Rams going out there and getting guys like Von Miller when they're available. I don't know. Yeah, you know, the Cowboys have these these constructs here with their salary cap that make it tough. But I would just like to see them go all in in a meaningful way rather than just uh, trying out the same group. In the last game of the and the weekend part of Super Wild Card Weekend, the Chiefs beat the Steelers forty two twenty one, possibly sending Big Ben into retirement. Jarek McKinnon gets dusted off here. Twelve carries for sixty one yards, six catches for eighty one yards in the TD after Darrell Darrell Williams fumbles his way to the bench. Travis Kelsey goes five for 108 and a touchdown on seven targets. Tyree kill gets a TD to save his day, but only goes five for 57. Just barely be useful for, for fantasy on the Sunday DFS lineups and no Steelers patch cat pass catcher Pete over 40 receiving yards, no rusher over 30 rushing yards. Just feels like this game honestly could have been like 56 to seven and it wouldn't have been surprising. The chiefs are a better team and I got to feel good about seeing Jarek McKinnon back out there. I mentioned him on Friday's show, just a throwaway comment. Uh, not anybody I played because Darrell Williams is the much more logical play. And I guess the chiefs could beat you in a variety of ways. And I just an exciting team heading into this matchup with the bills. It's got to be basically our super bowl for fantasy. Yeah. Uh, Eric is requesting. We do not talk about Darrell <laughs> Williams. You this was, I've been asking people this. I, I know there was some stuff about Darrell Williams not being fully healthy, but were there any reports or any indication about the Jarek McKinnon big game coming? Like I, I was hawking a lot of news and I didn't see anything. You normally get a report where it's like Jarek McKinnon could be featured a little more with Darrell Williams banged up. I feel like we didn't get any of that. It was just that he played a little in, I think, week 17 and week 18. So people were like, oh, they're kind of getting him ready to go and maybe even saving him. And I mentioned it on the show because I'd heard Bill Simmons talk about it right before we did our show. Normally not the sage wisdom you get on on there where he's like just saying shit out of his ass. But it ends up being a thing where the foreshadowing is there, him getting some more work after basically being out of the rotation. I, I agree, though, there was nothing report-wise saying like, oh, he's in line to be potentially you know, a guy who takes even 20% of the workload. So I think it was just Darrell Williams running bad and then also being hurt. And I guess they knew what they had in McKinnon. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, McKinnon has been a guy we've long left a candle on mm-hmm. just because of his athleticism, just an unreal spark score. If you ever want to go, uh, if you're not familiar with the Jarek uh, McKinnon combine, I recommend going back. I mean, his, his bench press, he, he was bench pressing more than most offensive linemen. Uh, also played quarterback in college, just an incredibly versatile athlete. So yeah, it was super fun to see him rolling. Uh, definitely a big uh, notch in the running backs don't matter 
debate. And it also just hilarious that basically any running back that the Chiefs put back there looks pretty confident other than Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who they burned an early pick on. So yeah, the Chiefs, uh, it was funny, like in the first quarter of that game, I think I even saw Davis Maddox saying, you know, this version of the Chiefs is going to get boat raced by the Bills, which still might be the case. But man, when they started to pour it on there, in the second half, you start to get excited about the shootout potential for that game. And, you know, I would say if the Chiefs were going on the road to Buffalo, then I start to be like, man, that's going to be a really tough spot for them. But at home at Arrowhead, um, I think that's going to be an incredibly good game. Feels like a coin flip to me. The the markets have the Chiefs as a minus two favorite. So maybe a little value on the bills there if you think it's closer than that. I have to say, too, uh, and I, I don't know the we've ever made this assessment on the show, but you probably could have made it at points of the year. And I'll, I'll ask you this question is Byron Pringle, the best number three weapon in Kansas city, since we've had this Hill, you know, uh, Kelsey and Mahomes era, because it feels like he has to be at this point. And I, you watch the games. I don't know that he jumps out in like a huge way, but every time you look at the stat lines after it's like, wow, he was there. He had a couple big plays. Like he made it happen. That was the case again, where he's basically the top scoring fantasy receiver again. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, there was a stretch when Sammy Watkins was looking really good, yeah. but Sammy Watkins would just kind of pop up for one big game and then just disappear for long stretches, where to your point, it feels like Pringle has been consistently solid over this stretch and has, you know, held, you know, Hardman and and Demarcus Robinson off um, as kind of the main guy. So yeah, I, I buy that take. I think Pringle's pretty solid. And I think too, it's not like with Watkins where he had like the 45 fantasy point day that would happen once a year. And then he just kind of has, you know, meaningful upticks here and there, but nothing big like Pringles has been reliable and also shown too previously that he can have the upside. He's had it, you know, this year in games where Hill and, and Kelsey have been active, but also last year also has had games where uh, those guys weren't active and he went off. So really nice uh, number three weapon to have. And even if the running backs, even if you don't get that out of Jarek McKinnon again, or CEH comes back and is, you know, somewhat limited, I feel like you got to feel pretty good about having Pringle be a guy that could take some pressure off those guys especially with Hill uh banged up down the stretch the Steelers though Pete like this is a really terrible performance I think actually you might have hit on the ride or die pick you had um uh, because I believe they had yep uh top five scores in the game are Chiefs uh the Steelers did not get there just a terrible offense right now with Ben but if you get the right guy in I feel like this offense could be just as good without making a single change besides maybe just getting Najee Harris healthy yeah, they, they have playmakers. I mean, you they have the exact personnel you want, uh, a versatile back like Najee Harris. You have the uh, above-average possession receiver in De Deontay Johnson. You have an above-average outside wide receiver in Chase Claypool. They have depth at wide receiver. Um, that tight end, Fryermuth looks like he could be a top five, six tight end in the league over the next four to five years as he grows. So yeah, I mean, they're like a lot of teams, <laughs> a really good skill position group, but just a, a good quarterback away from being a true threat. What do you think they do? And how, I guess what can they do this offseason to get more interesting? If they were a move, they can make it QB. Uh, I guess I'm going to assume you're not going to be a fan of just taking Mason Rudolph and running that back. So what can they do to be more interesting for you for fantasy? Yeah, Eric mentions too, they need an O-line. I know, yeah. I remember reading uh, Brandon Thorne, who does a lot of the O-line, D-line work over at ETR, um, was very worried about their O-line coming into the season. I believe they had zero continuity from last year, all new starters. Um, so yeah, that that is also going to hurt. So probably O-line and, and quarterback should be, should be front of mind for them. 
Yeah, people uh, Mark in the chat saying Russell Wilson, the Steelers, Yancey saying Pittstein's uh, Rodgers. I guess it depends what ends up out there this offseason, but it does seem like some QBs are looking for moves. And, you know, getting yourself the Gardner Minshew style fallbacks that I think could be an improvement on what Ben was this year, especially. So I think they have a lot of flexibility here. And it seems like bringing Tomlin back just for the continuity's sake might not be the worst thing either. So I think there's a lot of <laughs> if Pittsburgh signing Baker Mayfield would be the funniest outcome, I think, out of all of them. This this one I actually like as far as I mean the the Matt Ryan one like mm. Matt Ryan basically is it something that gets you excited for the franchise like you know long term no but it basically resets the Ben clock back like three to four years right mm. where it's like if the Steelers could get Big Ben three years ago Big Ben they would probably ride that out for a couple more years that's essentially what Matt Ryan would be um that that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think just basic competency at the position and uh, just being able to feed the ball and get the guys, get the ball into the hands of the guys that can make plays, which the Steelers clearly have a lot of. And just opening up Chase Claypool again, who got shunted down the rotation. Like Deontay Johnson getting the balls thrown by him by Matt Ryan, going to look better. Juju, short arm throw is going to be good for a check down for Matt Ryan. And then Claypool being that deep target. Um, I agree. Like there's a lot of moves they can make here. It just has to be basic competency and you'll probably move it in the right direction. Uh, the schedule for this week coming up, Cincinnati is playing on Saturday at Tennessee. San Francisco playing the night game at Green Bay. 815 is a the kickoff there. So we mentioned earlier, the winner of Monday night football tonight goes to Tampa Bay for 3 PM on Sunday and then Buffalo, Kansas city, the game Pete that you'll be flying for perhaps the, one of the greatest games maybe in playoff history, right in front of us. The, do you know what's even really brutal about this is so my flight isn't even just like my cross country flight. Um, Cause I'm flying back down to San Diego. I'm actually flying out to San Diego and then going out. And so normally I'd be on a jet blue flight. That game would be on the jet blue TVs. I'd be fine. Whatever. I have some cocktails on the plane. The, the leg down from Reno to San Diego is a fucking Southwest flight. And you know, there's going to be no TVs, you know, the internet's going to be fucking busted. And so I'm going to be watching like game cast, you know, for the second half of chiefs bills. I'm, I'm tilting so hard specs. I mean, hope, maybe it'll be a down game, right? Oh, 55 <laughs> yeah. point over under. Just, who knows? Easy under. Pray for me. Pray for me on that play. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that on next week's show. And again, if you missed it earlier, Thursday, we'll be doing an early morning splash play. No Friday show this week to accommodate that travel schedule. But we'll make sure to get all the good takes for the second round coming up here. And if you are watching live or after the fact, make sure you hit the like button. Looks like we got about mid 80s people in here right now. Only 18 likes. So help us out. Hit the like button. Helps us get seen by more people. Helps us fight the YouTube algorithm. And we need that as much as we can in this workaday world of ours. But Pete, time to do a little Monday night football draft, or I guess a, not a draft but a showdown lineup build here. Then we'll do our best ball draft. Gauntlet returns. Going to give you three rounds of playoff action over at Underdog. The Monday Night Football, Arizona Rams. You got any takes you want to give on this one before we do our actual uh, showdown lineup build? Yeah. Um, I mean, from an injury standpoint, um, this is a pretty clean game. I mean, James Conner, Van Jefferson, both technically questionable, but it sounds like both of them are going to go. I think the biggest kind of riddle um, for showdown purposes is how you want to attack the Cardinals backfield. Um, for a while, uh, Connor didn't look like he was going to be good to go. He wasn't practicing last week while Chase Edmonds was getting in limited practices. So most of the projection systems, I think are kind of leaning towards Edmonds as kind of the lead back. But if you can nail that, right. Um, I think you're going to be in a really good spot. So to me, that's kind of the main thing I'm trying to think through is, is Connor and Edmonds in this spot. 
Yeah, Connor and Edmonds, I know on Friday's show, we, it looked like Connor was trending towards being out, but I did have that concern that just because it was a Monday game that maybe that was the equivalent of a Thursday day in practice where if a guy doesn't play on Thursday or doesn't practice on Thursday, gets it on Friday, you don't feel b- that bad about it. But I think now that he did get some limited work in, you got to think Connor's going to play as a game-time decision. Guy has gritted it out in the past, sometimes to his own detriment. Uh, but Chase Edmonds still going to be very live as a, a much cheaper play. And I, man, ownership-wise, what is uh, what is Run the Sims saying? Because I'm seeing on Osmo, it looks like actually they have both guys not projected for a ton of ownership, uh, which I guess just people maybe not willing to take the leap. But uh, what's our pal Justin Freeman thinking? Uh, yeah, the the captain scenario, and and you will uh, not believe this, and and Neil is kind of onto this. He hears that Cooper Cup is good, probably going to want to play him in showdowns. He is he is showing up as the optimal captain uh, one fifth of the time, about a twenty percent rate. I assume his ownership will probably even exceed that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's always hard to get away from Cooper cup, generally probably wanting to, uh, to differentiate elsewhere, but, uh, that, that's how it goes. Do you want to build up a, pull up a showdown build and we can do that real fast? Yeah, let's see. I have one. We can do here. cheapy here. Cause you're going to, unfortunately you have to keep spending the big money on underdog. <laughs> you know that gone. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, we can, I, I entered us into, uh, single entry. Okay. the $5 single entry. Cause I know you like to chalk it up. I do like to chalk it up. And I guess now, Pete, that given that we have these uh, questions in the backfield, do we go the Cooper Cup captain route, given that he is very pricey, very expensive, makes a tough construction, and you're going to be with a lot of the field? So one thing I would say, when I just look at the default uh, simulated lineups on Run the Sims, and I should mention I am going to do a showdown cram tonight at uh, at 740, um, that uh, – Almost all of the simulated captain lineups have a Cardinal in them. There's a lot of Kyler, there's Chase Edmonds, there's Christian Kirk, but I think just because Cooper Cup's salary is so high, um, it's hard for him to be the optimal captain just because it's putting a pretty big squeeze on your lineup. Like when I look at the Cooper Cup lineups, you're basically having to get in like two full punt plays around it just to, to make it work. So I'm okay like lock buttoning Cup, but not necessarily at captain. Okay, interesting one. And Brian also asking the Rondale Moore situation. He's a game time decision too, right? Or he is. I was gonna say to Brian, I, I the reason I didn't mention Rondell is because even when he's healthy, the the Cardinals seem to have no interest in using him. Um, and and Yancey just asking the most galaxy brain question I've ever heard. Does it suck <laughs> getting to talk about fantasy football for a full time job? Yes, Yancey, it's it's incredibly rough. Um. <laughs> Let's uh let's see here. So yeah, I w- I would say I haven't run like the ownership stuff yet to see like what's actually good leverage, but I, I would be down for a Kyler captain. How about Christian Kirk captain? I'm I mean I'm fine with that too. Yeah, I like I like Kirk still. I feel like he's been to me the wide receiver one, and maybe you'll see the AJ Green run. AJ Green, I think, also kind of an intriguing captain option. I don't want to go that way for this lineup, but fifty eight hundred for AJ Green, I think it's tournaments if you're doing a max, you know, twenty max or whatever. Like definitely a one fifty max. You got to get some AJ Green captain. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I guess. I'm I'm not gonna say you have to get AJ Green Captain. Real, I but. think you I think he's right there, like a fifty eight hundred, because you could get all the good Rams in and like yeah, and there's gonna be more ownership going Ertz in Kirk's way. I, I just think he is. Um all right. If but if we're gonna do if we're gonna do Kirk Captain, I do yeah. think we need Kyler. Okay, okay. So take the yeah, take the easy one. If you want to do back to back, you can. I mean, let's just put cup in because we know we both want to go there too. Yeah, we can put cup in here. Um so, right, so yeah, you to... go again because we both took easy ones there. So you can go. Yeah, let's see here. Um, a lot of these lineups are pretty heavy cardinals, so I wouldn't even mind like onslaughting the cards with just cup coming back. 
Um, hmm. I think that could be interesting. Let's um let's do Chase Edmonds. I do think I prefer him to Connor. I mean, five thousand is really really cheap for what his role could be. So you don't okay. So you're not thinking other Rams then because I do like taking one of the running backs. I just feel like the running backs have been clearly a big part. Whichever one we take, I'm willing to be flexible on. But I think I'd I'd prefer to go Sony Michelle's way and then punt. I'm fine with Michelle. Okay. Um, there are definitely a decent amount of cup Michelle lineup. So that puts us at 2,500 here. Um, I, I think if we are going to go with this five, one build, I think Wesley is fine. Yeah. Like they've That's been using Wesley a lot. Yeah. I think you're getting not way. five. One. Yeah, people yeah. probably go Ertz's way more with yeah. Kirk at captain. I think going Wesley, like that's clearly leverage against it. Look at this, Spags. I don't even have to use my hard-earned money. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip through some of my crowns here for oh, this. But you uh, could be buying a dishwasher instead. <laughs> I know the dishwasher is gonna have to come with my own dirty fiat. Yeah. So now, and don't forget to tell the people, Pete. Don't please don't dupe that lineup here because we we're especially in the single entry. Yeah. This one, as Eric says, this one's probably gonna end up being uh, a fairly chalky lineup, but that's mm-hmm. why it's in a uh, a single entry and not the the big twenty dollar. I'll leave the galaxy branding to uh to my own account. <laughs> if you like going Kirk at captain for a single entry, like that's different enough. Sure. For it. Yeah. Yeah, that should that should help it. All right, now and then let's do uh one more playoff best ball. I didn't honestly didn't even know, and I have to actually join the the underdog partner Discord because our pal Andrew was told me to do that, and I just I forget because Discord is not my top of mind thing. But I didn't know that there was another playoff best ball round coming, Pete, and I'm excited. You know what? I honestly, I had said to myself, I had even replied to the underdog Twitter when they announced this. And I said, please, I have a family because (laughs) I get so obsessed. So when you said you wanted to do this, I was like, fine. But I, I, I do have to just one and done this, um, because I just, I can't have another week of ripping off 60 drafts. Well, the thing is Pete, we're going to win the 200 K on that other one. So like now it's just found money for you. It, the money is not my concern. It's the time. The time is my concern. Uh, but yes, they do have this uh, 9,000 person tournament. Pretty nice prize pool. 40,000 still up top here. $25 entry fee. Um, I actually haven't read the rules. Obviously, the scoring is the same. Is it just top team advances? I think it's just top team out of six. Yeah. Okay. So very similar to the to the last gauntlet. Yeah, I, um, I look, I've been enjoying these. Like I have actually not had the time to do more because honestly, NBA DFS takes up most of my, uh, my non NFL DFS time. And I'm jealous. Cause like you'd get to do so many of these just for shows. And if I had like a reason to do more, I would, but like instead, it's just me doing these on the show with you. And after Friday, like, I feel like we built a really good one on Friday that now I'm like, fuck, I just want to throw them all in. Yeah, no, it, it's but only uh, on the air. I, <laughs> I, I like building them on the shows. Clearly my best ball lineup I built with buying four ended up being my yeah. best team this year finished eighth. Like uh, it, it honestly is nice because I remember even to this summer when I was doing a ton of slow drafts, um, I should also, you guys should hop in this because these, I forgot these are going to fill as fast as the, uh, the yeah. other ones. Um, I might have to toss it uh, on Twitter in the in the chat if this doesn't fill. But I was going to say, I know when I was doing a ton of drafts, like I was in the slow drafts and I would wake up and I would just be ripping through, making picks, and you end up getting into a groove and you almost get too comfortable where you're like, these are the guys I like in this spot, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of end up having a portfolio at times that has too much similarities across them. So when you do drafts with other people, it's nice to kind of pull yourself out of how you view it. And it actually ends up getting you some more interesting teams. Whereas like, I don't think either Eric or I would have drafted that team on our own, 
but together the melting pot of ideas ended up creating a fairly unique team. So I do, uh, I do enjoy getting to build with other people. And I'll say built watching, you know, doing the shows last few, uh, over the last week or so with Josh Norris and with uh, Davis Maddock as well. Like I just began to listen to you guys. Like I felt like I came in with a pretty good way and I hope people out there too, if you've been drafting along, hopefully you guys have been listening, but I felt like we drafted a really good team on Friday in part because you guys taught me how to draft a better team. And I think that's uh that's kind of fun that that's our angle here on the show. Uh, Justin Herzig is out. The Herzig bot is in these drafts. Uh, so that's always fun. Uh, Jogo asked building before Monday night football an advantage or disadvantage. Um, I think it's like everything where you can probably get, uh, some slight discounts on some of the Cardinals and Rams based on uncertainty. If the previous gauntlet was, a uh, any indication people feel more confident about the Rams winning than the card. So maybe we could get some Cardinals discounts here. Um, but honestly, I have not thought through strategy for this at all. Uh, I did see Herzig and Eagles, James, who have are big time underdog grinders. They were posting some really good values on the Packers, partly because I think their ADP was anchored to where they were in the other contest. But let's uh let's figure this out here. Who do you want to go? We have, I would say Hill or Cup are obviously both great options, or digs if we want to lean into. See, I was thinking we have to draft against type, given that I do think that other lineup is going to be plus EV. So I would go Chiefs here, I think, and go Tyreek. I like it. Yeah. To me, it's not worth taking Cup now because he might lose tonight. Like I, I think that's too steep of a price for a build that could be dead in five hours. Right, and that is the reason Cup went 101 is because he's really helping you advance uh, around also having bye week teams if you wanted to play Packers and Titans, whereas now everyone's playing this weekend, and you see now we're starting to get Justin takes Devontae Adams over Cooper Cup because if you feel more confident about the Packers' advanced stuff – you're not having to worry about him not having a game in your lineup anymore. Yeah. After all the Jonathan Taylor, we got down the stretch of the regular season. I, I think I would try to err on the side of caution, at least for the one thing that we can't avoid uh, for tonight's slate. Yeah. Interesting to see here. No, the dream of, of Mahomes slipping to us is not going to happen. GA <sighs> should get his, his dig stack here if he wants it. And yeah, that's then, a downer. I thought we'd get one of the other chiefs, but instead that's not great. So, um, you know, I feel like if we wanted to play like our Super Bowl, we could go Aaron Jones, or if we just want to like get the best plays, I think Henry or Chase are both viable. Um, I don't want to go AFC though. I guess, yeah, we don't know. We're going to get that buck stack. Ugh, yeah, this is brutal. I I'm willing to go whichever way you want to go. Um, let's just do Aaron Jones. Okay. Um, if you want to play that, I mean, I don't think Aaron Jones and Henry are that different of plays and there's actually probably less risk with Aaron Jones. I mean, we know his health is, is fine. Whereas I think there's still some, some uncertainty around how effective Henry's going to be. And also, you know, like we did make an investment. Like I, I think we should still try to backdoor some chiefs. I guess it doesn't even matter because we don't have Mahomes. It sucks that we didn't get Mahomes. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to kind of think through our, our quarterback strategy, but I mean, we're now going to be looking at upsets that don't involve the 49ers or bills since we've already kind of made a bet on mm -hmm. the chiefs and the Packers. Um, oops, we are on the clock here. Um, I think, I think we can just pick the best plays right now. Um, I think Fournette, I think AJ Brown. Um, yeah, I think AJ Brown would be okay by me just so we could maybe advance out of this round. Yeah. And then we might just have to think of our stack 
um, as more of a backdoor stack, obviously at this point, or I, I do think Tannehill could make sense if we wanted to do something like a Julio Tannehill. Okay. Yeah. I think that's reasonable. At least we get something out of it. And then, yeah, you know, it, as long as our lineup tells a story, right? Because in this lineup so far, we are fading the Bengals. Um, mm -hmm. and we're also going to be playing for a Titans chiefs AFC championship game. And so then obviously if we go with Tannehill, we'll be playing for an upset there with the Titans over the chiefs, but they'll be at home versus the chiefs in that scenario. So that's one of those where I wish we had taken Henry second now, because then we could have had that Titan stack and at least it would have been something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. But I also don't just going back to the Henry stuff. Like this would be a team where I think a Donta Foreman last round pick would make a ton of sense. Uh, if we do yeah. go in on that. That makes sense. Uh, oops. We are on the clock here. Um, I would say, man, Darrell is such a weird play now it, with McKinnon looking like the guy. I mean, do you want to take the secondary Packers and take a Lazard or an MVS and then get Aaron Rodgers at some point? Yeah, who do you prefer, Lazard or MVS? I'd, I'd go Lazard, I think. Okay. It's like Lazard's passed him a little in the last few weeks. We're definitely letting uh, whoever is interested in there. Who got Evans? See, this was the interesting thing. The team who took Mike Evans went early on Mahomes, whereas they could have gotten Brady in the in the fourth now. Yeah, that's not not ideal builds. Definitely not as clean of the builds as we saw in some of our our playoff best balls. Yeah. So I'm trying to Wait, think. Rogers went second overall. Oh, I totally missed. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't love the logic to this draft. I do feel like it's throwing me for a loop. I, th I thought he was just still available. I totally missed that. So I think one of the big questions now is, you know, everyone has their quarterback. Do we think GA, Merch, or Zucker would take Tannehill over to snipe us? Or do you think we can risk letting Tannehill come back? I think we should do it just to be safe because people <laughs> in the draft on this draft could be a dick. Like I, I would just, yeah, right. I'd run the side of caution because it feels like this draft now is just like war. It's <laughs> normally like uh when i was drafting a ton of the first gauntlet i don't mind pushing it and gambling like that but if this is going to be our our own team as, as mark says this draft is wild so we can we can lock him up there yeah with just like no other qbs left i think that's too much of a risk that somebody could just do that just to edge you out and then give them you know a theoretically slightly better chance of advancing yeah Oof, that's brutal so one other team I think we can entertain. Um, we still can pick from Bucks, Rams, or Cardinals and still, you know, be pretty live. I think we should I think Julio we could probably sit on. Um, I guess the Derrick Henry owner could potentially take Julio. So that's something to watch with Magic here. Cause he does have two picks. So maybe we want to lock up Julio and figure it up, figure it out after that. What do you think? <sighs> Because yeah, this guy, take, yeah. he's on this weird thing where he has Packers or Bucks are live for him, but he really needs a Tennessee Super Bowl as of right now. So I think we should snipe the last available good Titan. Yeah, I think because at least it gives us a stack. Like, I just want to have one stack that we have mostly completed. And I think we, obviously, it'd be nice to get a running back. But if we're taking Foreman late, like, we do still kind of have a running back. So construction-wise, I think we should pencil in Foreman as our last round pick mm -hmm. and then 
I think we should pick another NFC team to load up on a little bit here. That's not the 49ers, which sucks because Kittle's staring right here. But I think the Cardinals look kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind taking Kirk again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just looking through this, and I do think Kirk is the best pick for this construction. Yeah, we know they're not going to face Green Bay, which helps. So I think yeah. that's, yeah. And then the other thing, so I think Foreman should be on our radar. And I I do, I think this Edmonds ADP is still all out of whack. I think he's interesting to pair with Kirk. Okay, that's, yeah, that's fine. I worry that that one's going to be dead. Like that's what worries me about our other lineup that we talked about earlier in the show. Because I just feel like the Cardinals and then just losing Edmonds and Kirk, like, right away is just freaks me out. But so the other thing is we don't have to, we also have Ertz who, if we're playing for a Cardinals win, I think makes sense. Um, we basically have, if we're doing foreman, um, with one of our picks, we have two other picks to play with. I definitely think one of them should be a Cardinal. And then I think we have a luxury. It could be a best player. We could add another green Bay guy. Um, I would still, t- I would default to your take in Edmonds because I think that way we have a pretty good shot of getting a running back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's funny based on ADP, we actually, let's do Foreman first. Um, mm. Just because if we, Foreman's like the last Titan that we can draft. Whereas if Edmonds goes, we can still grab, um, we can grab uh, Ertz. And the other nice thing about this is we're already playing for like, we need Tennessee in the Super Bowl. So mm. now we want it. Now we have our running back too. So with this, with a four Tennessee, we now can play for various NFC teams in it. We're good for an, uh, a Tennessee Green Bay. We're good for a Tennessee Arizona. And depending on what we do with our last pick, we could even be viable for a Tennessee something else. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I think I, I just wish we'd taken Henry like earlier, but that's the one thing I would take yeah. back in this draft. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's, awful um so with this one I'm, i am just gonna put Ertz in the queue we could really just go heavy on arizona upset here i'm trying to think like what would be the other just best plays if we didn't do this so we i mean we basically don't want the chiefs to we want tyree kill to have a good like two-week run and not advance over the titans so i don't think taking any more chiefs makes sense i feel like ideally um you know we would be taking a, a buccaneer like if we don't want to triple up on Arizona and want to leave an out for a Tennessee Tampa Bay, but there's just, there's not a lot of attractive Tampa Bay players. I was going to say like, I'm, I could make a case for geo, but he just went. So that, so that, well, actually I don't even think we want Tampa Bay now that we have two Arizona, unless there was someone who really stood out. Uh, I, yeah. I think we should triple up Arizona. Okay. I think that's fair. Do you prefer Ertz or green? Uh, Ooh, I, I think based on what we've seen this year, you got to go Ertz. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I'd like to make the case for AJ green, but I, I think logically if you can get Ertz, Ertz is the better one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this is a good team where, um, we are like the dream scenario for us is Tennessee versus Arizona super bowl, but we're still live with a Tennessee green Bay super bowl as well. It's just, <laughs> It, how mad would the networks be if it were a Tennessee Arizona Super Bowl? Oh, they'd be 
They'd be livid. They're going to be mad if Tennessee is in it. I mean, they just want Bills or Chiefs. They they don't care beyond that. (laughs) Bills, Chiefs, and then Brady or Rodgers on the other side, I think, are the dream scenarios, probably. Yeah. Um. Well, that was that was a fun draft. I was not in the uh, the headspace for these like I was in the other, so it was fun to uh, to talk through that. Yeah, we can do one more on Thursday too. Hopefully, assuming that doesn't uh, fill up before that show, um, and we'll know then who's going to win in tonight's game. That'll probably make it even more chaotic. Uh, but Pete, you give it the plug one more time. I know you're doing the showdown cram, so tell the people where they can find you next. Yeah, I'll be live tonight. Uh, I've been doing them like around 7.40. I want inactives to come out, and then I need to be able to make my own lineups, and then uh, and then we'll go live there for about the past, uh, or the 30 minutes leading up to the game. So welcome to come hang out. Like Spag said, the prize pools for the showdowns the past two nights have not been that good, and based on how many people were watching my streams, there wasn't a lot of showdown interest. I'm guessing there's going to be more interest tonight with it as the only game in town. Yeah, there's like 100K in the play action tonight up top. Like They have some good tournaments on DK, so I I'd say definitely watch Pete's show, throw in some lineups. That's what I'm doing. I was planning on doing NBA, but they they kneecapped the NBA pricing today and instead went more NFL. So I'll be doing showdown along with you guys. Follow at Peter Arbors at follow at Chris Fags. Make sure to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Again, playoff DVOA is going to be new this year for the first time ever, but also lots of great tools to help you build better lineups there. Uh, down the home stretch, defense versus receiver. Again, one that I would point to every time. Look at it for these playoff matchups in particular for showdowns. But go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And we'll be back Thursday Day morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, bright and early here on Peach Channel and the Splash Play channel. So make sure you are subscribed and also following at Splash Play Pod and hit that like button before you go. Enjoy your nights, guys. Good luck. 